0: Our scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 18 found on page 976 in your pew bibles. Uh, Please join me in prayer before we read. Dear Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as the scripture is read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy. In Christ's name, amen. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father.
1: So when, um, back in Alabama, um, I, I made a friend, um, with the local Episcopal priest who was from England, which was an interesting thing to encounter in Iuka, Mississippi. Um, and he was also vegetarian. And, um, so we, we would routinely get together. Um, I, w- I would, go and worship with them on a, a Tuesday evening, and then we would usually get together for a meal afterwards. And, um, So it was good to hang out. But one of the things I learned was um, if someone has a different dietary recommendation, preference, medical choice, whatever it is, it impacts kind of eating together. Um, he, He was kind of surprised that you could order beans in Mississippi and it had more ham or bacon in it than beans. Um, or pretty much any vegetable you ordered in Mississippi would have plenty of, of pork in it. And, um, but anyway, it, it was just kind of a recognition as, as we would eat with them and, um, as a couple and, and do things together. You know, eating together is just part of being in community, being in fellowship, having friends and relationships. You just normally do that. And, and so the realization was, well, we're going to have to cook something different. Put away the barbecue and, and try to learn I mean, I don't know if I normally have a meal without some meat or a dish without meat in it. And, and and so it was just kind of a, you're adapting. And it made me realize part of what was going on in the Old Testament laws. Do you ever try to maybe start reading through the Bible at the first of the year? And as you do, oh, I brought these so I can see you. Oh, there you go. So I, uh, um, that you're reading through, and you kind of get the stories in Genesis. You understand them. You understand Exodus. Then you get to Leviticus, and you're like, you can't eat shrimp? Pork's off the menu? And you're wondering, what does this have to do with holiness? What does this have to do with God? Well, here's the thing. Many of the Old Testament laws, the point was to divide God's people from other people. It was a kind of a marker. It was a, a signal of who is part of this community and who's out. Now, there, there's um, lots of laws on how to dress. So, no mixing polyester with cotton. Probably, probably good to follow anyway, though the, the law is abolished. No, no, you know, your clothing, your hair, all these things. There were, there were certain specifications. No work to be done on the Lord's day. So, there was this, this marker of this time is going to be separate. And food... And therefore, who you could eat with and trust to have clean or unclean food is all going to be prescribed so that it marks the community. And this is part of what Paul is addressing when he is um, um, going now from talking about our connection, our relationship um, on a vertical level, that is, what God has done to bring us into community with himself to now start talking about a horizontal level, how this now all affects my relationship with brothers and sisters, our relationship with one another, how the gospel impacts that. And what he says is that we remember that we were one time Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision. Um, This was addressed to a congregation that was primarily um, uh, Gentile, And so they were reminded, you were not part of God's people. You don't have this heritage of the covenants and the temple and the Sabbath and and the scriptures and all these things. Remember that you were far off. And that same concept really is for all of us as, as sinners. But remember that you were separated, and now you have been brought into the commonwealth. You were strangers, you were aliens, and now you have been brought into this household of God, this commonwealth. You are now part of the Israel of God. That is your new relationship with other people. You're you're no longer a stranger, an alien. You have been brought in by the blood of Christ. So he reminds us that Christ's blood covers us all. All of us now have this new standing with God and therefore a new standing with one another because of what Christ has done. And so he's wanting us to look at the unity we have now in Jesus because we have been forgiven. We have been brought in. So it's not just that I'm forgiven, but now I'm made part of a new community, a new family, his church. He himself is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinance that he might create himself one new man in place of the two. What Paul is telling them is that that natural division that exists in people has now been destroyed because of what Jesus has done to restore us to himself. There's this dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. And in Jesus Christ, he has made one person between these two, That when he went to the cross, not only did he pay for your sins and restore you in relationship to the Father, but because now your relationship with the Father is restored, your relationship in the community is is now established. That we're brought into this new community and therefore there's no division. And, And the application for us should be obvious. Any place where we try to set up some sort of dividing wall, some sort of division has been destroyed on the cross. That there's no place for us to have any kind of racial or ethnic division. There's no place for us to have any kind of social or wealth division. There's no place for us to have any kind of um, division where we can look at anybody else and say, you really don't belong here. Or you can, you know, have your place over here and I have my place over here. And to think that we have any separation, we are nothing but one body, Because it is in the one body of Christ that Christ has made a new man. That means our our primary identity is not American or any other nationality. Our primary identity is baptized. I'm in Christ, covered under his blood. So he has now broken all the divisions that we have, and he wants us to know that unity, that the cross now embraces us all. We're... um, We're in a time where divisions seem to be discussed more than previous times. I don't know. I mean, it seems to flare up uh, every once in a while. And and, uh, maybe you've heard the term critical race theory that that I think the Southern Baptist Church is debating um, this week. And a lot of churches are dealing with and a lot of things. Just it's helpful for us to look at scriptural idea. We... Ought to be sensitive to brothers and sisters from different perspectives. We need to listen to brothers and sisters for, with different experiences. But but there is a movement that is based in Marxism that wants to create divisions and replace classes with you know with racial separation, with um, gender identity separation, with sexual issues create all these classes of those who are oppressed and those who are the oppressor. And the big problem with that is you you just kind of make huge groups and deal with people as a group rather than individuals. And and it it divides people and kind of attributes levels and and morality to people um, on the basis of identity. But we see here, it's a reminder that we all share in common, our sinfulness. The, the, the biggest thing apart from, if we're, if we're outside of Christ, the big thing about my identity is not that I'm a white man in Tennessee or, you know, that whatever. The biggest thing is I am, by nature, a child of wrath. I'm in rebellion against God. I am under the law. And so our unity recognizes that all of us are estranged from God, and that's the big problem. It's not as much of an issue of power. There, there might be things to discuss in that realm, but the main overarching thing is, are you in Adam? Or are you in Christ? And so he reminds us our unity is that we recognize that at the foot of the cross, we're all sinners, but we've also all been made one new person, a new people who are part of God's family. So regardless of our background, Who we are now is in Christ. We are under his blood. And that is incredible news to think that everyone belongs in this family. I love that he reminds us that I'm here only by the blood of Christ. Let me tell you what that means for the church. Whether or not you have grown up here, that you were baptized here, 50, 60, however long ago, and grew up and have always been part of this, and you know, you're know, you more Presbyterian than John Knox, as our, our awesome sign says. Or if you joined a few weeks ago and really would still have trouble spelling Presbyterian, if you're in Christ, you are both on the same standing. You are here you're, you're not here because you've earned your way, that you've learned more theology. Therefore, you're on a higher tier than somebody else. You're not here because you give more money and then you're, that makes you worth more to the institution. You're not here because you're a better person and you do more good deeds and you work harder for the church and you do a lot more things. That that doesn't make you any more part of this family because you are here, not on anything you've done, but on the blood of Christ. You are under his blood, and we all needed his blood. No one needed the sacrifice of the cross any less than anyone else. We are one body by grace, by his blood, not by our efforts, not by anything that we have done, because he has now abolished in his body what divides us, the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. You see, by by destroying the law, he tore down those markers of separation. Um, it's, it's no longer are you circumcised or not? Are you eating this? Are you not eating that? Or, you know, whatever. It's, it's that now those things have been done away with. So when, when Paul's talking about abolishing the law, he, he's not saying that things that God thought were bad are now okay. He, he's not saying that God's really doesn't concern so much about lying anymore. That's he's, Those things are still good, but he's talking about our relationship to those. So the law on a moral level, the Ten Commandments, no longer condemns you. You are freed from that condemnation in Jesus Christ. But also the parts of the law that mark out and separate a people have been done away with so that there's no distinction on anybody, that we remember that there's no point of division. We are one person Those things have been done away with when Jesus went to the cross. So here is the good news. We are united. We are fellow citizens. We are members of the household of God. That we're part of this community by his grace, which is this household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. It's a beautiful description of what the church is. We're God's family, his household. He's our father. We're brought in. And the way that we are brought in, or, or, or rather the, the, what this group, this institution, what this church, what this body, what this fellowship is, is a foundation of apostles and prophets. That's kind of code word for the Bible. you get it? Prophets, Old Testament. Apostles, New Testament. It's that teaching and that revelation in this book is what creates the church. The foundation is this this revelation of God with Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. In other words, Christ himself is the most important part of this because he is the ultimate revelation. He is the Word made flesh, and he speaks through the Scriptures. So the image that we have is the shepherd calls his sheep and the way he calls is he calls through his word the spirit speaking through his word and what happens when this revelation of the gospel and the law and all this comes out is it builds the church For many of you that might, that might be a flipping of understanding we, we didn't just come together and say hey this is a good idea what do we want to do of making a church we all kind of agree about the same thing let's organize this isn't something men have gotten together and decided to make it's it's Christ himself building his church through his the revelation of the scripture making this household of God. We are not here because we thought this would be a good idea. We are a body because God is creating his church. He is calling people into this household and you have answered that call. And when you did, he put you in with a bunch of really weird people. Who look at you as though you're pretty weird too. That we're a bunch of sinners trying to stumble our way through being obedient to him, and we live out this remembering that this isn't because we've been really effective. We've done a good job. It's that the revelation creates us as a body that he calls us into. What a way to look at what we're doing. You know, th- that means the, I mean, we, we trust God to build his church. We trust the Spirit working through Scripture to, to make us who he wants us to be. And 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 rather than thinking that we have to get all this answered, we we listen to his word, we pray, and we respond in obedience and faith, and then marvel at what God is doing among us. I I mean, sometimes I look out and I'm like, Man, y'all are back to listen to me again? (laughs) You you some of you saw me kind of really bad this week, and you come back? Some of y'all come twice? I mean, it's only God's, God's grace. Um, that was not in the script, so let me, let me get back to where, where I'm meant to be. God creates us as his church, and here is one of the beautiful things. So this, this household is now likened to a temple. In verse 21, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple, um, in the Lord. In him, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So this household that he's building by his word, do you see the image? It's a temple. You are his temple. You are where God dwells. And so it's the idea of, of here's the foundation that's laid in his word. And then if you ever drive by, there's, there doesn't seem to be a lot of construction going on now, but Back in the days when lumber wasn't quite as outrageous, you would, you would see a house being framed up. That's the idea of you're, you're being joined together. I, I don't know what all those pieces of wood are called. I think joist is one, right? Whatever those are, where they're connecting, the more connections, it's making the house strong. We are joined together. That means your communion with one another is part of what God is doing in building his church that as brothers and sisters get together and share life, as our hearts are knit together when we're honest about our mess-ups, our failures, when we rejoice with one another, when we come with our fears, when we weep with one another, when we pray for one another, when we laugh with one another, when we share life together, those boards and beams are being knit together. As Christ is building his household, and as you come together and hear his word and, and the spirit speaks to you through one another, we are being knit together. We are joined. And so that, that's one of the reasons, where in a minute, Clifton is going to join and we're going to take vows. And, and that marks off something different than just worshiping, that, that we need to be with one another. We need to say, this is where I am. I've received Christ. And because I've received Christ, I need to be joining together with other believers. My heart needs to be uh, matching the hearts of others as, as I learn your needs and you learn mine, and we're honest with one another and we grow together. And, and we need to be with one another. So we, we need to make that a part of being part of this family, but also that, that we don't just come and worship and then live our life separately. We need to be with brothers and sisters as we're spending time. As the Spirit, through the Scriptures, forms us and shapes us into this temple that he is building. That's so why I, I just encourage you to examine your connection with other brothers and sisters and, and your relationship um, to his church. Because in him, you are being built together. As we're joined together, he is building a temple which is the dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That as you share your life with one another, this is where God's glory is shown. That's what the temple was, was the glory of God came in to manifest itself in this place where the people would come and worship. And now in Christ, that means that that temple has been done away with. And the new temple is his church. That your connection with one another is now this household of faith, is now the church. And that means that's where God's glory dwells. Not in this room, but with brothers and sisters as you pray for one another, as as you share life with one another, as you commit to one another it's absolutely amazing that he would say, at one point you would go and look at this beautiful building, this magnificent building with gold and carvings and all sorts of tapestry, and you would see the glory of God there. And he says, no, the glory of God is shown in a Sunday school meeting or a small group or saints when we gather for worship, that you show God's glory to the world as you live out your life as the church. Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine be honor and glory and power forever. Amen. Would you